in our seventh week of At the Movies, and I'll tell you something, being the fact that it's seven weeks of At the Movies, and At the Movies is our summer series, it means that we are very close to summer being over. Kids are crying, parents are rejoicing, I understand, I understand, Um, and you know, we only have three weeks left after today, and just to let you know, uh, next week is our Volunteer Appreciation Sunday, and you will see today how much we appreciate our volunteers as you sit with your kids in service instead of being able to take them over to the nursery and preschool and kids areas because uh, the school is doing cleaning. So they said, hey, uh, we need you guys to, to figure out something else to do this week. So that is what we have done. And so you guys haven't been here, but if they get restless for some reason, please make sure to take them back. We have a little area kind of set back up there. You can kind of hear it already. Um, and so... It's just me one of those fun things we get to have during the service today. And next week, you'll say, yes, in honor of all of you, we want to eat breakfast in honor of all of you. So everybody come next week. We're going to be having breakfast. It's going to be a great time hanging out together. The week after that, we're actually going to be doing Despicable Me, um, which funny thing is, is it actually beat out Lone Ranger on opening day, which I, of all things, I saw it before I saw Lone Ranger as well, because it was that good. And... Um, then we're going to be doing turbo after that. And then we're going to be done and all the kids are going to go back to school. And we're going to have communion and praise God for that. And um, so before we get too far ahead of ourselves though, today is the Lone Ranger. I'm excited about the Lone Ranger. I've always loved the Lone Ranger. I don't know about you guys. Uh, we went to Walmart just a couple of weeks ago. And in the $5 bin at Walmart, they had the um, series, eight different episodes of the Lone Ranger. We got three different ones, and we picked those up. Now, you could go to Sam's Club and buy the entire eight-season series for $109. I thought that might have been overkill. But you know who loves the Lone Ranger the most at my house? Maylee Grace, my four-year-old daughter. She actually bought pink pistols, has a pink hat now. All we need to do, we actually went looking for a black mask uh, at Party City, and of all the masks that were there, black was the only one that was out. All, they had every other kind there, but they were all out of black masks. And, and she was loving it. And uh, we're having fun with that, and I hope that you have fun with it as well. You know, the good thing about Lone Ranger is there's so many things you could talk about, really, when it comes down to Lone Ranger. I mean, you could talk about the fact that though he was the Lone Ranger, he had Tonto, so he wasn't really alone. Um, You could talk about the fact that, you know, he was all about justice and never wanted to hurt anybody, never actually wanted to kill anybody. If you ever saw the old episodes, it was never anything about killing anybody. You know, people would be dying all around, and of course, it was really funny if you've ever watched... An episode from the 50, they would die kind of like this. You'd be like, bang, and they'd be like, oh, and they would fall over. It was pretty good acting. Um, But, you know, as we watched the show, there was one thing. When I grew up, and I'd spend time at my grandparents' house, there weren't 500 channels to choose from. There was like eight channels to choose from. And I was the remote control. I had to get up and switch, click, 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 like that on the TV. I'm not sure if you guys remember that. But in the evenings, we would watch Wheel of Fortune, and after Wheel of Fortune was over, we would switch it over to the rerun channel, the black and white channel, and have the Rifleman, Bonanza, and the Lone Ranger. And any time I wanted to be the Lone Ranger, it was real easy. All you had to do was find a cowboy hat and a black mask, and everybody knew that you were a Lone Ranger. Now, you could add in the fact it was a white cowboy hat, and you could have silver six-shooters and silver bullets to go with it, and that would kind of complete the ensemble. But everybody knew that you were the Lone Ranger by what you wore. By the fact that you had that black mask, and it was really that simple. And I got to thinking, how do we know people nowadays by what they wear? How do we know people 
for who they are and what they wear. And I started thinking, do people really fall into that category? That we know them by what they wear, including Christians. Do we know them by what they wear? And so I got to thinking, let's just do a little, a little fun, fun trivia. Tell me, in the sporting world, if you can tell me the person that comes up on the screen, who they follow by what they wear. First one for me, Corey, if you would. Dallas Cowboys, obviously. Yep, got big heads, nothing inside of it. Um, the, uh, I'm just kidding, that was just a joke. Um, kind of a joke. Next one for me, Corey, if you would. That's right. Somebody who wears cheese on top of their head. And if you notice down in the corner, that guy actually painted his son. That is, that is some serious problems right there. There's issues going on in that. And actually, they're surrounded by Bears fans. Yeah, yeah. And the cheese on the head is, is definitely it. Um, next one for me, Corey. This one might be a little bit more difficult for you guys. Anybody know who they're following? Brazilian soccer. That's right. Now, so that we can tell by the fan by what they're wearing, who they follow, right? I mean, that, that is obvious there. Now, let's switch it over just a little bit. Let, let's change it up and see, can you tell who these guys are by what they're wearing? Anybody tell me who they are? Mormons, that's right. We can tell who they are by what they're wearing, right? Uh, their little name tag, their bikes, their Bibles, all that stuff. This one might be a little bit more difficult. Let's see about this one here for me, Corey. Yeah, Buddhist monks. So you guys are, are right on on all of that one. And I'm not sure, did I add one more to this one or not? No, just one more. Okay, so um, now we've seen the sporting fans. I mean, most sporting fans, I was thinking about putting Raider fans up there, but they're just, they're, they're scary, so we left them off. Uh, this is church. Um, and, and, and so we've we seen the sporting fans, and then you see the religions. But what about Christianity? Do, do we have... Something that tells us that we are following Christianity. I found some pictures online. Really, two very different sides of the spectrum here. Okay, the first one is this guy right here. You guys remember that guy in the end zone with the rainbow wig that I always wear the John 3.16 and you see that? So that, that is this side of the spectrum. And then you have the complete other side of the spectrum. And maybe you've seen these guys on the news a time or two. Isn't that sad that God hates you? Not blessed, just curse. The, the Westboro Baptist, and I hate the fact that they even have Baptists mixed into that, but that's what Christianity is. I mean, there's two sides of the spectrum that, that people see, and people see from the outside. But really, I'm not sure if you know this, but in the New Testament, in the New Testament, Paul actually tells Christians, and let's even throw this term Christians off to the side, because sometimes we, we can get confused on, on the term Christian. The, the followers of Christ should be known for what they wear. In the New Testament, actually, Paul writes about it. And, you know, you might get a little bit scared about it because in the New Testament, uh, there wasn't jeans or khakis or buttons or zippers or, um, you know, things like that. So you might be a little bit nervous about what Paul actually tells us to wear. But don't worry about it. Um, What we can do is... uh, Here, uh, back up just for a second on that one, Corey. Yeah, just leave it on the blank one right there. That's fine. We can leave up the scary people. That's good. Um, before we get to the letter that Paul actually wrote, or, let, or letters that Paul actually wrote, because he wrote it to, to the Galatians, he wrote it to the Colossians, um, to, to talk about what to wear and how we should be wearing things, let's remember who Paul is, okay? 
For those of you, maybe this is your first time ever in church before. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. But before he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, before he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, Paul was known as Saul of Tarsus. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 26, he is known as a Christian hunter. He hated Christians. He wanted to see Christians die. He wanted to see them imprisoned. And that's what his job was to do. He was a, a, a Jewish religious fanatic that did not want to see Christianity take off, so he tried to destroy it as best he could. This is the Paul that we're seeing here. He wasn't an immediate follower of Jesus. He didn't walk alongside of Jesus like the 12 disciples did. But he hung out with those guys who did. See, he got, he got to meet Jesus after resurrection. As a matter of fact, Jesus came to him right face to face and kind of knocked him off his horse and blinded him. And he went, wow, okay, yeah, you're kind of, a, kind of a big deal here. And his whole life changed when he met Jesus, which is very possible for each and every one of us. And so he meets Jesus and he finds out all this information. But as we see that, he, we understand that he took the primary teachings of Jesus. He took the primary teachings of Jesus and he went and he planted churches. He went all around the Mediterranean getting on horrible boats, taking long walks, and starting churches with these primary teachings to people like you and I, people that were non-Jews, and he wanted to spread that word out and wanted people to understand what was going on and this way that was taking place, this Christianity that was starting to spread, these followers of Christ that were taking place. And so what was the message that he was taking and spreading to these churches? About 20 years after Jesus came, he started spreading these messages. But this is the message that he was spreading. It's found in John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to it or you can just follow along the screen. That's fine. John chapter 13. And this is Jesus talking to his followers. And this is right before he's about to go in and be beaten and crucified. So Jesus knew his time was his coming to an end. And he wanted to share one last commandment. Well, not one last commandment. He had a couple more. I shouldn't say that. But he wanted to share this commandment with them to kind of reiterate why he had come. Verse 33 of John chapter 13 says this, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I have told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, if you pause right there for a second, if you've been in church for a long time, if you've been raised in a Christian family, if you have, uh, you know, kind of the, the moral background, this love one another idea isn't really that new to us. Now, it was new to them at that point in time, but it's not really new to us because we, we've always heard the, can't we all just get along? Do unto others as you'd have done unto, unto you. These thoughts were already in place, but it was something that was new in there, and it was the idea of, as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And we see this, we think, you know, how has Jesus really loved us? And we can say, well, he died on the cross for us. He gave his life for us. He came down, he lived a life here on the earth, and he died so that we might be able to live. But these 12 guys, that hadn't happened yet when he's talking about this. How has he loved them? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector, and, and the, the place where Matthew was at in his life, he was probably one of the most hated people on the planet. Tax collectors. 
not, I don't know how much has actually changed, but they had an entire different category. We've talked about this before. There was the sinners and the tax collectors. They weren't even lumped in with the sinners. He was hated, and Jesus came to him and reached out his hand and said, Matthew, I would like for you to follow me. Not, Matthew, I'd like, to clean up, I'd like you to clean up your act. I'd like you to get your things together. I'd like you to give all your money back to the poor and then come follow me. It was, Matthew, I'd like for you to come follow me and have your life changed. And that was a big deal. And Matthew said, you can almost imagine, as they're sitting around, he says, as I've loved you, I want you to love one another. And he probably went, yeah, yeah, you know what? I remember when Jesus did that for me. And then he probably, Jesus might have looked over to Nathaniel. I'm not sure if you know the story about Nathaniel or not, but when Jesus started going around and he was meeting up with the fishermen and saying, hey, come follow me, and some people said, hey, you need to check this guy out. This is the real deal. Nathaniel's response was, what good can come from Nazareth? So when he said that, he basically, you know, Jesus, he knows it all. He understands it all. He's God. He sees it, and he sees Nathaniel. He says, hey, Nathaniel, remember that day that you dogged me? My whole family, my whole hometown, everything about it, the where I grew up at, you completely dissed me. Hey, and I still ask you to follow me. And Nathaniel's like, yeah, you know, you're right. You're, I, I, was, I was dumb. I apologize. And, you know, you're right. You, you love me anyway. So when Jesus says, I want you to love as I have loved you, that puts a whole new spin on things. A whole new spin on things. Really, that sign that we saw, those people holding the signs, I don't think that's what Jesus What's talking about? As a matter of fact, verse 35 says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, the kind of love that we have will tell people who we are, who we follow. And the funniest part of it all to me is, is the next verse after this. And it's found in verse 36, And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Hey, wait a second. It's kind of like this. You guys ever seen the movie Up, since we're doing the whole at the movies thing? You guys know Doug? Doug the dog? I have a Doug the dog. He, his name is actually Doug because he is like Doug the dog. But what's the one thing that Doug has a problem with? Squirrel! You know, it, Jesus is like, this is what I want you to understand. Love each other as I have loved you. And Peter goes, squirrel, where are you going? Where are you off to? No, Peter, hold it in my face, just by the ears. Peter, love one another as I have loved you. This is the new command. Can you get that? Can you understand that? And the thing is, is you know, the, the whole problem in all religions, including Christianity, is that we miss what Jesus has called us to do in this idea of relationship building. There, there's this gravitational pull that pulls us from relationship building that, that Jesus has called us to do, and what really everything's about, about loving one another, to fulfilling rules, to keeping up traditions, to making sure that rituals take place. And we miss what it's all about. I wrote this down. The gravitational pull is always towards rule-keeping rather than relationship-building. It's always that way. And why is that? Well, because we are in control of following the rules. We are in control of 
Yes, I did this, God can forgive me. Yes, I didn't do this, God can forgive me. Yes, I did this, so God loves me more. Yes, I did, yes, I didn't, no, I didn't. It's easy to put those things in place, and I am in control. It's so easy for me to even create my own religion and say, me and God, we got this thing. And he loves me, and I love him, and even though I screw up, and even though I mess up, and even though I do all these things, he still forgives me, and even though I keep doing it, and I do the things I say I'll never do again, God still loves me, and I'm good with that. But the one person that's ever hurt me, that, that bothers me, even though they've only done it once, and I've never talked to them again because of it, I can hate them because that's okay, because that's in my religion. But yet Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're being pulled this way. I want you to remember, love one another as I have loved you. I have loved you even though you were a sinner. I have loved you even though you were messed up. I have loved you. And we see each of these things come about. And you know, traditions aren't bad. Rituals aren't bad. Rules are not bad. But when they come before what God has given us, this new command, that is when it gets to be a problem. Because how many people, how many people, even in this room, have been hurt worst by somebody who goes to church? Have been hurt worst by a religious person? How many people... Say, I don't like to go to church because they give me that look when I walk in the door. How many people have that issue inside that I don't want to really read the Bible because the meanest person I've ever met in my life is a person that reads their Bible every day. We get caught up in that. And it pulls us away. And I don't know if Jesus would think it was okay for us to, to treat people the way that we have a tendency to do when it comes to rule following. When he says, no, guys, I died for that person. Just like I died for you. Don't treat them that way. Love them as I have loved you. You see, the thing that will separate us from Christ, or separate Christ followers from the pack is the way that we love people. How we show. Don't try to play, replace the way we treat people or are called to, retreat people, to treat people with a set of rules. Because we think as long as we follow those rules, we have this list of things to do. As long as I go to church, as long as I put money in the offering plate, as long as I read my Bible, or at least give it a shot once or twice a week, as long as I do these things, I'm okay. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not it. I mean, those are good things, but it is not to replace loving each other because those things don't matter if you do not love one another, if you do not reach out to each other. You see, statistics in the last 30 years have shown a drop in people who believe in God. That statistic says that 4% drop in the last 30 years. But do you realize also in those last 30 years that 25% of people have stopped going to church and stopped believing in the institution that is the body of Christ? And you know why they still believe in God but don't want to go to church? I bet you can put it together. I bet you already know the answer to that. Because sometimes the meanest people we know, the meanest people that unchurched people know, are Christians. Pushing them away. And why is that? It's because the gravitational pull towards rule keeping pulls us away from building necessary relationships. And I know this for a fact because I do it myself. It's so much easier to check, thing, check things off the list than it is to love people who are hard to love. I mean, you know the person that's hard to love. You might sit next to them at work. 
You might sit next to them at home. I don't know. But you know those people that are hard to love, that God has called us to love. So now what I want you to do is I want you to take what Jesus is teaching was right there, and I want you to fast forward 20 years. That is when Paul has had his full conversion. He's now out planting churches, out doing his thing. And it comes to a point where churches are dealing with the same thing that we deal with today. Rule keeping instead of relationship building. And they start excommunicating people or not wanting to reach people because of certain things that they've done or certain ways that they are. Instead of reaching out to them and showing Christ's love, they say, get out of here and leave us alone. We don't want anything to do with you. So Paul has to write these letters to these churches, and these letters have found their way into our Bibles. And the letter that I want to look at today is found in Colossians, or it is the letter to the, the church at Colossae. And it's in Colossians, and I want you to go to chapter 3 if you would, and as you go to that, I'd like to open up in prayer. Well, not really open up, I guess we're pretty well into this. I'd like to pray, and just that God would open up our hearts and our minds to what he has to say to us today. So let's pray together. God, as you spoke through Paul to these churches, speak through him to us as well. Open our hearts, open our minds to what you'd have us not only learn, but God apply. We pray it in your name. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Colossians 3. 1, if you don't have your Bibles, once again, it will be on the screen. Here's what it says. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we see here that he is talking to Christ followers, those who have been buried and raised again with Christ. It says in verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears then, you also will keep him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Skipping down to verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, here it is, what to wear. If you ever wanted to know what to wear as a Christian, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion, the first word on there, compassion, hardest word for me up there. Compassion does not ooze from my pores. It's something that I've grown up with, didn't ooze in any of my family members' pores, and that's just how I was raised. Compassionless, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I look, look at the word compassion, and I think back to what we've talked about over the last, even this whole entire 2013, about loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. When we talked about the the breastplate of righteousness, now the breastplate of righteousness, it protects your gut because that is the heart of the matter. When it says love God with all your heart, to have that compassion that he's talking about is to have that gut feeling for somebody that you hurt in your gut for them. That you have this, oh, I've hurt for them and I want to help them and I want to love them and I want to feel compassionate. Compassion is not the immediate response, well, you should have worked harder. Well, dummy, you shouldn't have done that. Because, honestly, how many times have we responded in that way towards people? Well, obviously, that was a poor choice. I am king at doing that. I was just talking with Robert and Yolanda back in the back, and we were talking about just 
people in general, and they're both police officers, so they understand this. And I said, you know, in my years of ministry, I've come to the realization that I give people more credit than they're due. So people really are dumber than they really appear to be. I mean, when you get a man, it's kind of like men in black, when they're sitting on the bench and he says, you know, a person is smart, but people are dumb animals that are like sheep that just follow. And that, that's it. And sometimes, just like Jesus calls us sheep, we need to have compassion on those sheep. And not say, that was a dumb choice, that was the wrong way to go. We need to have compassion to come alongside them and love them, regardless of why they deserve it or if they deserve it. Because if Jesus gave us what we deserved instead of having compassion on us, none of us would be sitting here right now. So compassion is the first one. The second one, he puts his kindness. Kindness, if we're going to break it down, is basically loaning our strength to people. Loaning our abilities to people to reach out and do things when somebody else can't. And they turn and they say, man, you are so kind. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's us loaning and giving, even though it may not be necessary, it's us doing it nonetheless. Humility, another one I struggle with. In relationship to God and in relationship to other people, how do you view yourself? How do you view yourself? This is, this is one of those areas that I, I struggle with because, man, it's so easy to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Because you know what it really boils down to? Whether you can run faster than me or I can jump higher than you or any of those things, that doesn't put us in any difference. If you're richer than me or I'm smarter than you or whatever it might be, it doesn't make us any different. Because you know what? We're still in the same playing field because we are all born naked and we're all going to die. And in between in that time, what happens doesn't make me better or worse than you. We are all very human and we are all very much sinners. And because we are sinners... There's one thing that makes us special, and that's the fact that Christ died for us. Nothing else makes us any better than anybody else. And Christ died for all, so that makes us all on the equal playing field. So when we have humility, it helps us approach each other as peers and not as I am better than you or you are better than me. Gentleness. Gentleness is the next word there. And gentleness is basically is a decision to respond to somebody else in their strength and weaknesses rather than in my strength. And I guess the best way to, p- to put it this way is, if, if I'm going to bend over and pick up a little baby, I'm going to do it differently than I was going to go and pick up and bear hug a man. Right? I mean, that, that's the way that gentleness is. Is we transform our strengths and use and limit and hold back and rear back on our strengths according to the object that we're with. And if we know they can take a little more strength, then we use that. But if not, we pull back. We, we go gently into the situation. And that is what he's talking about here. And the final word he uses is patience. 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 Deciding to go to the speed of another person. That's what patience is. Deciding to go the speed of another person. I absolutely love my kids. They are slow. My four-year-old daughter, she is great, but when she wears flip-flops, they always come off. 
They always come off the most inopportune times, like in the middle of traffic at Walmart when nobody's slowing down to be patient with me. And I'm going, you know, the little veins that kind of have that tendency to pop out when you don't want them to, to say, Dad, thank you, Daddy, for being patient. I'm trying. I, I am. I'm trying hard. Patience is deciding to go the speed of another person. Then we pick up in verse 13 where it says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I look at those words right there where it says forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I'm almost wondering if he could be, be patient as the Lord was patient with you. Be gentle as the Lord was gentle with you. Be compassionate as the Lord was compassionate with you. You break that down, you can fit any one of those words in there. And the summary is this, and it really ties it all together with what Jesus said. And this is Paul bringing it back. So basically, he's expanded everything and made it very simple for us to understand what love really looks like. He says, and over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So basically, here it is. Love one another. That is what we're to put on. Love for one another. People should know us by what we wear. And what we wear should be compassion and kindness and gentleness, and patience. And you're like, wait a second, that is, that is difficult. That is a load to take. Patience, gentleness, compassion, humility, kindness, forgiveness, love. How are we supposed to do that? You don't understand. I have kids. Those are not possible inside the house, much less outside the house to show to people. Those aren't possible unless I lived in a cave by myself as a monk. That's the only way to pull those off, right? How many of you guys like going to the store, period, and then like going to the store with kids. Raise your hand. Because patience does not happen at Walmart. I'm going to tell you a story about the other day. I went into Target, and those of you who are sitting back there, did I give you your candy? I think I did, or Sterling gave it to you. I went into Target to buy that candy, and I went into the wrong Target. Okay, I didn't know there was one, but now I found out it is. It is the Paseo and Coors. And the... the Everybody that is a checker there is well beyond retirement age, okay? There was three of them. There was lines that were very long. And while I was there, I'm standing in line waiting, and there's two people in front of me. I'm thinking, this isn't going to be a problem. The guy that was two in front of me, the, the checkered lady, he was buying simply a greeting card. That's all he was buying. She scanned it, and then she stopped, and she read it. And then she opened up the inside and went, <laughs> that's funny. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I had just gotten done preparing this message going, thanks, God. You know, she's teaching me patience right here and right now. And I'm like, all right, finally, that guy's done. And for some reason, his little check card thing wouldn't work. And she was trying to explain it to him. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. And it was just kind of one of those things. Where I'm like, all right, great. And the next lady gets up. Well, she has some bath scrubby thing that just happens to not have a price tag on it. And she goes, well, where did you find it? She goes, I don't know. I found it on one of the shelves. And I went, dear God, how are we going to get through this day? All I want is three boxes of candy, and I got cash. I, it's going to be an easy transaction. Can you please let me go? And I'm looking at all the other lanes, and all the other lanes are the same. And I'm like, patience. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. That's all I kept thinking in my head. And I'm like, I, I don't think it's going to pull it off. And I look at it and I think, man, how can we pull this thing off? And I figured it out. It's, 
it's obviously not something that we do naturally, or Jesus wouldn't have to give us a command in it all. If we do natural things just naturally. So Jesus had to give us a command to say, this is how you're supposed to do it. Well, how am I supposed to have the strength to do it on my own? Well, I'm not. God's asked us to pray for it. And the funny thing is, is I'm like, how do we ask God to pray for it if we can't even remember what it is? I mean, that, that, that's a pretty good-sized list of, of things there that we're supposed to do. And as I looked at it, I had this thought, and I wish it was my own thought, but I, I was trying to figure out how to, how to best remember it. I'm, I'm kind of a visual learner. And I heard somebody say this one time, and I went, you know what, that's it. That's how we're going to do it. And I'm telling you, the first time I heard it, it was totally lame. So you might think that the very first time I tell you this right now, that it's totally lame. But it will stick in your brain. How many of you guys, and I can even ask the guys this, since we're doing it at the movies, you can raise your hand. How many of you like Sleepless in Seattle? Anybody? Sleepless in Seattle? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you guys like You've Got Mail? Okay. Princess Bride. See, okay, good, good. All of those movies are chick flicks, okay? And they're all PG chick flicks. This is what I want you to do, to pray over PG chick flicks, all right? Throw it up there for me, Corey, if you would. PG chick flick, all right? <laughs> PG chick flick. I, like I said, I wish I could take credit for that. I heard somebody else do it one time, and I'm like, that is so lame. And then I went, but I remember it. Pray for patience. Pray for gentleness, pray for compassion, humility, kindness, forgiveness, love, and hey, why not throw in kindness one more time? You know, that kind of thing, because that is what we need. We need to pray to God and say, God, will you give me patience today? I haven't gotten out of bed yet, but I'm sure as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'm going to need it. And I'm going to need to be gentle with those people I'm being patient with, because they're going to try that patience, and that gentleness is going to have to come out right afterwards, and the compassion, and the humility. And the kindness. How do we show people that we are Christians? Is it by what we say and the rules that we follow, or is it by loving people for who they are and who Jesus thinks they are? That is what it's about. That is where we need to be. See, too many people don't dress up like Christians are supposed to dress up, and they drive people away. They want to make a point rather than make a difference. And Jesus has never called us to make a point. He has called us to make a difference. If Jesus wanted to make a point, he would have come down, he would have stepped into the synagogues, he would have talked for 15 minutes, he would have made a point, and he would have left. But he didn't come to make a point, he came to make a difference. He came, he lived, he breathed, he loved, he served, and he died to make a difference. And that difference in your life has been huge. I'd be willing to bet that you can look back to when Jesus came into your life to make that difference, that your life has changed for the better. And he wants us to take that love and he wants us to pass it on to other people. They will know us by our love. This next song we're going to sing, I'm going to ask Jerome and the band to come forward. This next song we're going to sing is a song by Christy Knuckles. And it's an amazing song with some amazing words that really get right down to the heart of who we are supposed to be. You can either sing it with them. You can sit and listen to it. You can just sit and pray the chick flick prayer. And just pray for patience and gentleness and compassion and humility. I know, I'm just doing it all for chick flick. Can you believe that? And kindness and forgiveness and love. 
and throw in a little bit more kindness there at the end. That is what we need. That is what we need to be taking out of this building. Not just understand, not just, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get PG Chick Flick tattooed on my arm so I can remember how to, how to do that. It's to actually put it into practice. That's what we're called to do. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask them to sing this song. Like I said, you can sing along, and you can pray along. You can just sit. And I'm going to step back to the back, because maybe you're struggling with it like I do. Because this is a daily struggle for me to have any one of those things on top of all of them at the same time. But we need it because that's what God has called us to clothe ourselves in so people know that we are Christians. God, we're thankful for who you are and that you loved us anyway. We're thankful for that you are a just God, but you're also merciful. And you've poured that mercy out on us. Help us to pour that same mercy out on people that we love and people that we don't. We pray it all in your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you.